Hello, everyone, and welcome to I'll Be Right Back, the RSL podcast, where we don't talk about RSL, only with the people that make it tick. To all our faithful listeners out there, I thank you, and simultaneously, I should also apologize. It's been over two weeks since our last episode debuted, and while regrettable, I hope you understand that sometimes the pro soccer world gets a little bit crazy and congested. But now we're back after some time off and ready to carry this out through the end of the year, bringing you hopefully a new episode every week. Next week, in fact, will be the return of the RSL Book Club. That book being Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. That was a Matt Gash pick. It's his favorite book of all time. And uh, after that is going to be KB5's pick, The Black Count by Tom Reese. And then our next book will actually be, uh, we'll reveal what that is on the next week, episode two of the Book Club edition. Uh, I'm very excited about that one as well. So now let's go full force into this week's episode. Today's guest is my longtime friend, former roommate, groomsman, and everyone's favorite crossword extraordinaire, Mr. David Allen Horse. <laughs> Davey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, man. No, thank you for coming. I'm really excited about this. Uh, it's been a long time coming, this episode. It got a little bit delayed, of course, because of some regrettable news. Um, I'm sorry about your Achilles. But uh, before we get into our topics, maybe give everybody a quick update on how you're feeling, because I think you're five weeks out from surgery. Yeah. I told everybody on Instagram I was six weeks last week, but apparently I was wrong. <laughs> uh, the trainers corrected me and told me I was only five weeks this mm. week. But the Achilles is coming along. Nice. You know, it's kind of one of those injuries where everything is extremely slow and boring at the very beginning, just because you have to stay off of the Achilles no matter what. Sure. And uh, so for basically the last month, I... Did a lot of laying on the couch, a lot of icing the Achilles, a lot of... Uh, a lot of BFR. A lot of BFR. Have you told the uh, fans about that? We yet? had uh, almost a whole episode. Tyler came on and talked about BFR. So every, okay. the listeners out there should know how excruciating it is and how yeah. oh, it's the worst. That has definitely been the worst part of my rehab mm-hmm. so far. But um, yeah, I got a lot of TV watching in. Nice. A lot of book book reading in. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got, got Ishmael in, so yep. I'm excited to be a part of the panel next week. It's going to be a good time. But uh, I finally got off the crutches, finally got off my uh, little mini scooter, <laughs> and so I am just kind of walking around with a little giddy-up in my step. You know, I got this three-inch heel in my boot to take the uh, pressure off the Achilles, so, so I walk, walk around a little funny. Right, now you're 6'8", so this is... 6'8 <laughs> just... on the right side and 6'4 <laughs> on the left side, so it gets a little weird. Good, man. I'm happy to hear that. I know getting off the crutches is like a, it's a seminal moment. It, it is. Really it's is. such. It's such a life boost. Like you know, because you don't realize as much. You know, I mean, you need your hands around the house. Yeah. And so when you're crutching around, like something as simple as pouring a glass of water is, you know, it's all the more tedious because of it. So, yeah, been there, buddy. I'm glad you're feeling a little bit Thanks, better. Man. So, okay. So I went back and forth on what today's topic should be because you know how we should structure it. Because of course, you know, we're longtime friends and. Actually, you know, Justin and Jordan have been saying how excited they are for our episode and to hear about all the trouble that we used to get into back when we were their age and kids and whatnot. And, you know, we won't talk about that on the show. Um, Probably for the better. Probably for the better. But uh, I think it's appropriate for us to talk about something that we talk about a lot when we're not talking about soccer. And that, of course, is both of our shared love for Star Wars and really beyond that, just the movie industry in general. So for those out here, if you're listening and you're not a big Star Wars fan, I'm going to try to make this as accessible as possible because, of course, everybody's seen a movie and everybody likes the movies and whatnot. Um, But, you know, 
if yeah, hopefully it's accessible. But I, I apologize I mean, if this it, episode isn't for you. Even if you don't like Star Wars, like you can still stay tuned in and listen to what we have to say. About That's right. It, you know, That's I mean, right. we're not critics. No, we're not anything like that. We these are something that we enjoy, and of course, we're gonna have fun talking about it. You know, we're not gonna talk about oh, they should have not filmed it this way or filmed it that way. Exactly. Like, we're just going to talk about what we like and didn't like. Yeah. Obviously, neither of us are accomplished directors, you know, and so I think it would be out of place. Like, that's the one thing I always try to remind myself when, when I watch these movies and I have critiques because I'm so passionate about it. And the Star Wars franchise or fan base is u- kind of unique because it's such a passionate and kind of like, uh, you know, down the middle fan base, kind of polarized fan base on a Very lot of these, so. especially with these new movies. Yeah. But I always remind myself, like, Thousands of people worked tirelessly for a couple years on each of these movies. So it's really would be really easy for us to chop all their work down in 10 seconds. But I you know, don't want to do that because, of course, as pro athletes, we're on the other side of that in a lot of cases. And, so we've known what they felt like. When that yeah, happened. exactly. Like, you know, there is a human uh, side of that. And mm-hmm. actually, we're, we'll get into that a little bit later um, uh, with Kelly Muratran and all that stuff. But let's start. Let's start at the beginning. OK, so, okay. of course. Uh, let's start at actually. Let's start at the new beginning. Okay. So, and that is in 2012, um, the Big Mouse Disney purchases Star Wars from George Lucas for four billion dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that takes place in 2012. I still, I still remember sitting on my couch in Portland, reading the headlines, and immediately texting you, and being like, "Oh my God, Tony, did you see that Disney just bought Lucasfilm? Dude, absolutely. And the rights to Star Wars, and they're going to make." another movie or another trilogy for sure i this, still remember that moment texting you when i lived in portland for sure this is like a seminal moment you know like people say like do you remember where you were when this happened or mm-hmm. this happened you know or like you know you'll always remember when i don't know when something happened yeah for sure i remember the exact moment when i read this news and i was in such a disbelief like what this is going to happen like right. we're actually going to get this this next generation of star wars they're announcing three more movies this is mind blowing. Because I, I, I remember when I was a kid, I always lived out, you know, what was next for Luke, what was next for Han, what was yeah. next for those characters. Mm-hmm. And now I was like, you know what? Finally, we get to see this on screen for sure, and what the plan is. And I was that's what I was excited about. Yeah, and that's that's like uh, part of like the grandeur in the whole myth of Star Wars is that we've had so much time to brood on this universe and like you know, what could be, what did happen, where mm-hmm. did they go, you know, what even happened in between, uh, you know, A New Hope and Empire, between Empire and Jedi, you know, there's so much, and the Expanded Universe was really cool for a long time, because that, you know, covered all that, and made all these fun stories, but of course, then, you know, Disney decided to chop that down, which, you know, whatever, it's yeah. fine, it's it's their property, I, I understand why they had to do it cleanly, and like, had to do a, a reboot, in terms of that. And we'll get to the Extended <clears throat> Universe a little bit later. For sure, for sure. Um, but okay, so Disney purchased them for four billion dollars, four billion dollars, two thousand twelve. Um, and so let's talk about before we get into actual Star Wars, the franchise. Let's talk a little bit about Disney because I think okay. it's worth mentioning um, because uh, just because you know they're kind of hanging over everything there and in the film world. Okay? Interesting about how many people's lives are defined by Disney. It's in- incredible. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this before when I was driving in today, preparing for this episode. Like, does Disney is that one of the biggest brands on the planet? Is that the most? Is Mickey Mouse the most recognizable, like most iconic brand? I would, I would say, oh my. is it Apple? I, it, I would say Disney's probably top three. Top three for sure. It, it's up there between the between Star Wars. Marvel, all yeah, these yeah. different, you know, brands that are underneath Disney now. Mm-hmm. I think 
has have made Disney sure. kind of a top three brand in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, before they bought all of these, you know, properties, could you have said they were? I don't know. They had some great cartoon movies in the nineties. Sure. Um, but once they bought Pixar, once they bought Marvel, once they bought Lucasfilm, exactly. then they really became, you know, this juggernaut in the industry. Exactly. And so pretty interesting. So $4 billion seems like an outrageous amount of money, Yeah. but that's actually not the most they've spent on, uh, on property rights. So they spent, I think it was 3.96 on Marvel. I don't have the data in front of me. I should have wrote that, that down. That definitely paid off. <laughs> that definitely paid off. Goodness. <laughs> Pixar was more. I remember that. Pixar, I think, was 7 point something billion. Um, and then, uh, gosh, there was another. Oh, obviously now Fox is 71 billion. Yeah. And so that, you know, far, far exceeds Star Wars. And um, But there's just so many more <clears throat> properties, I feel like, exactly. in the Fox brand than there were in Star <clears throat> Lucasfilm or Marvel for sure or Pixar for that matter but I remember when do you remember in their was it early 2000s late 90s when you know Pixar was first making their couple first couple movies of course just how unbelievable and revolutionary they were yeah so I I can understand why they had to pay so much for Pixar because they couldn't miss of course yeah they couldn't miss and they were like um almost putting Disney to shame yeah in that regard they definitely were because was it was the Lion King really the last like hand drawn Disney movie that was big? I think so. There's uh, I know there's terms for the Disney eras, and I know I think the Lion King was the end of the golden what's regarded as the golden era of Disney. Okay, and that's kind of in the mid nineties. Yeah, uh, I think it was like ninety four or ninety five when Lion King yeah, came out. Somewhere around there. But they, I mean, they had. They were hot with like Beauty and the Beast, with uh, Little Mermaid, sure. Lion King. What what else came out? during that time i forget but you know they had these hot properties and then after the lion king they had a couple misses for sure i think it was like hunchback, hunchback and notre dame yeah. was a big miss um there was probably i don't know when was fox and the hound no maybe that was way before that i can't remember but you're right that into that kind of like god the lion king was so awesome man. yeah i'll never forget that opening scene where it like hard cuts to you know it's oh, it's so cool but anyways but okay. the, the new kid on the block was pixar for sure, exactly. And, and they, they couldn't miss with their movies then. They couldn't miss. They were putting Disney to shame. So, of course, Disney, Disney stretched their muscles a little bit, um, bought Pixar, and uh, did the same thing with Marvel later. And, um, and now they have Fox for $71 billion, which, is, uh, which I think is, uh, you know, has, is kind of multifaceted in their strategy of why they're doing this. Um, you know, a lot of people, there's been a lot of backlash. People are saying Disney's, you know, has too many controlling properties now and they're, you know, you don't want any one person to have the message or have all these rights because it doesn't breed competition and whatnot. But I think there is going to be competition because obviously um, kind of the current battle in entertainment is between the streaming services and between the movie industry. Mm -hmm. And this has been really interesting to watch over the past year just because Netflix is so prolific and so huge and everybody wishes they bought stock in them 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. And uh, so you know, yes, Disney is absorbing, you know, franchises like the X-Men and like uh, Avatar, mm-hmm. James Cameron's Avatar. But I think they're doing this more so just so they have that like kind of adult back catalog of all these, you know, shows and movies from the past 40, 50 years. Definitely. Now for a streaming for their streaming service that they're going to launch. Well, well that's, the, that's the future of entertainment. Exactly. And Disney didn't have enough. Well, they had enough um, youth, you know, properties. Sure. But now adding Fox to the catalog, now you get a lot more, you know, adult oriented mm-hmm. TV shows, movies, a little bit more, you know, mature content for that 
for that side of things. Mm-hmm. Because before they were, you know, if they only used their properties, it was more, you know, 21 and under those like family friendly, family, stuff. family friendly yeah. stuff. And now, now you got stuff that older people can be interested in as well. Sure. Which, you know, now more people will be buying their streaming service, which is what they Yeah, you got to appeal to the masses. And I think they're, it, it makes sense, this target, because they, I know they want to target, I'm, or I'm guessing, the millennial kind of generation. And it's kind of a two-pronged attack. Like, you have nostalgia with the Disney animation. You know, like, you know, like, I mean, I get teary-eyed when I go to Disneyland or when I see these old properties and stuff like that. You know, that's never going to go away. But you also need that kind of, like, adult content like you're saying which is gonna compete with netflix and their back catalog exactly. and all that and this is something that when i was researching for this episode this is something i did not know disney actually owns a controlling stake in hulu um okay which, uh, well I, I know that hulu is part like all the tv networks own a controlling stake in it. i'm assuming because disney owns abc that sure that it's probably from there yeah okay and hulu apparently is the fastest the fastest growing streaming service right now or over the really? past couple of years. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I think that's where they're going to directly compete with Netflix and also with their um, Disney animation uh, streaming service that is going to launch later this year, I think, okay. which is going to be like the family friendly stuff. Okay. So the big mouse is everywhere. Yeah. That's what we should, should take from this. And um, so that leads us into star Wars. And um, so, like I said, the big mouse is everywhere and now they've got a, now they've purchased the rights to Lucasfilm, and now we receive the information that we are going to get not only episodes seven, eight, and nine, but you know, who knows, and who knows how many years of Star Wars? You know, it's for the next right. hundred years, for for the A movie every year, movie every year for the immediate future. Um, and uh, which let's talk about our original reactions to that, because um, I was of course excited, you know, obviously, yeah. but I'm- then also a little bit concerned because. We've been through this before. This is a, (laughs) this is a, you know, this is something that's near and dear to our heart. Mm -hmm. This is a beloved franchise. And we saw how that, how that went with the prequels. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was extremely excited at first. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't, I didn't have any negative reaction for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when you start to think, when you actually sit down and start thinking about it and you start thinking about the prequels and, and everything that happened with those and the negative reaction to that. And, you know, because before, you know, Phantom of the Menace came out, mm-hmm. people were so excited about it. And it was, yeah, it made a lot of money, but it was kind of a disappointment. Sure. Of course. And now, once again, everybody's super excited. But now it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to approach this with you know, caution. Yeah. Yeah, we've been here before. But then, you know, once you start, for me personally, once I started seeing the way all the Marvel movies were being made and mm-hmm. that, you know, that was underneath Disney's banner that I was like, all right, you know, I think they could, I I think they could do a really good job with this. Sure. Yeah. I think that's important to note Marvel as well, because the exciting, you know, obviously we have those apprehensions immediately because we've been hurt once with the prequels and all that. And star Wars is just, you know, it borderlines religion for all of us. It's just near and dear to all of our hearts um, in a way that most movie franchises aren't um, or can't even be. But uh, Marvel is a good comparison because the thing I kept coming back to was the fact that people who grew up reading those comic books and now people who grew up reading Star Wars are now in positions where they're making these movies and they're making major decisions about these movies, which is the most exciting part about it because it's almost like if you and I, you know, were making a Star Wars movie. Right. um, You know, because you grew up with that and you understand how much it means to you and also just the entire fan base and what it actually means 
Um, and there's really nothing more exciting about that than that. Well, it's cool because I know it was the same thing for you reading, reading you know, Star Wars books or anything of like that when you're younger or just, like I said before, acting out what comes next for Han and Luke. Mm-hmm. You know, these are all things that we visualized in our head. And now we actually get to see them on a screen just makes makes it so much more real and just so much better for us. Right. And like you said, those people who were doing the exact same thing that we were doing mm-hmm. are making these movies. So they're taking these ideas that they were visualizing when they were kids. Exactly. And they're actually, you know, putting a story on paper. They're putting it on film now, which that's what you want. You don't want somebody who knows nothing about a property making a movie about it because that. It's not handled with care. Exactly. It's a very, it's very, very delicate. Yes. It is. It's a very, very delicate um, undertaking. And gosh, I mean, what a heavy project. Right. So, of course, we start with The Force Awakens, and J.J. Abrams is, uh, is chosen to reboot this franchise. And obviously, he's already done that with the Star Trek franchise. Mm-hmm. Did you like the first two Star Trek movies that he did? I did. And, yeah. and I knew nothing about Star Trek before seeing that first, the first movie of his reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't watch the old any of the old series. I didn't read any of the old books, so I knew absolutely nothing about it. I agree. And Me too. I was I was a Star Wars kid. Yeah. And um, seeing that movie, I remember you talking about it, and I went and saw it, and I was like, you know what? This is actually really good. I really enjoyed this movie. Fun. Yeah. I think is the most it, appropriate word. It was there. fun. I mean, despite the time travel part, it made sense. Yeah, of course. And uh, I just really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, and it was handled with care yes. because again, another franchise where. You know, it's beloved by many. And, um, but JJ, like you said, you alluded to the time travel. And I thought he did a, it was a really kind of a master stroke to go off on that separate timeline exactly. so he could tell his own stories, but also continue to pay homage to, to the old stories yes. and the old Spock and whatnot. So when JJ was on board, I was psyched. Immediately yes. I was like, all right, this is the right man for the project. I don't think I would have picked, chosen any other director for that first movie. And like, like I said, what a heavy, what a heavy undertaking because you're revitalizing a franchise that has been revitalized once by yeah. his creator. There's been such a huge, huge backlash to the prequels. And, you know, there's, I mean, there's movies that have been made. There's campaigns that have been made. There, you know, billboards have been taken out to try and get the prequels erased from history and right. all that. Like, it is a savage fan base. And, and didn't J.J. Abrams come out and say that Star Wars basically influenced him into becoming course, the filmmaker yeah. that he is and the storyteller that he is. Yeah, absolutely. So the fact that you know he rebooted a um, property already in Star Trek mm-hmm. that everybody loved, and then everybody, mostly everybody, loved his reboot. Sure. So you got this guy now. He's taking another beloved property who, that influenced him as a person, as a filmmaker, as mm-hmm. a storyteller, and now he is taking control of that property. Like you said, I was excited about it. Like I was like, all right, this is the perfect guy for this job. Absolutely. I can't think of any other director that I would have chosen. Um, obviously, Kathleen Kennedy is in charge. She's in charge. Was she? I think she was with Lucasfilm. She was in charge over there even before the sale, and then she's kind of headed everything. Yeah. Um, I believe she was with. Yeah, I believe she was. Okay, and she, you know, she's done a very admirable job. You know, everybody is with. You know, has their misses, and um, yeah, no, I think I think. If if your job is to make money, she's, she's doing done, she's, she's doing a great job. job of course, you know, yeah. like 
So you can't fault her for that. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so speaking of making money, so the four, let's talk about the the budgets and the box offices for all the Star Wars movies that have come out since their revitalization. So there's been four. There's been two, which is Episode Seven and Eight uh, okay. on the main Skywalker Chronicle. And then there's been two anthology movies. Mm-hmm. So we have, first of all, The Force Awakens. The budget was $306 million, And the international box office, so that's you know domestic and abroad, $2.068 billion. So that is a lot of money. It's not a bad profit. Not a bad, yeah. Not a bad. Especially when you only bought the, the IP for what? For four, four, $4 billion. Four billion. So one movie and you make back, yeah. Half, half of it? That's pretty good business. Yeah. Um, so after that came Rogue One. And the budget was two hundred million, and the box office was one point zero five six billion. So again, um, probably it's you know that's pretty pretty solid numbers right there. Then we have the Last Jedi, and the budget was two hundred and fifty million, and the box office was box office was one point three three billion. Hmm. And we have then we have rounding it out the last the most recent. Star Wars movie is Solo. The budget for that was two hundred and seventy-five million, um, and then the box office was three hundred and ninety million. So now, the, is that domestic or total? That is total. Oh, that is uh, domestic and interna- international. So yeah, they, they lost money on that one, right? Um, I'm guessing they did with marketing and all yeah. that stuff. Because don't, um, don't they usually say you double the budget? I think so. That's the total cost yeah. of the actual movie without um, costing. Included. So not exactly what they were hoping yeah. for. And we'll get into that. But we'll start with kind of our overall feelings. And we'll go through this really quickly because we have a lot to cover. Um, so we see The Force Awakens. And so were you in uh, Portland? when the? Or were I you was in- actually in um, Southern Oregon with my uh, wife's That's family. right. Okay. Yep. And I remember you couldn't see it the first week. I was on my honeymoon. You're on your honeymoon. Yeah, you're in St. Lucia on your honeymoon. That's right. I was like, something big was going yeah, on. Yeah, I was you on know? my honeymoon for That's that. That's right. And uh, they weren't exactly showing, you know, Star Wars yeah. in St. Lucia. <laughs> they should have been. Right? I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> first night of your honeymoon. Sarah, we got to go. <laughs> Sorry, babe. I got to uh, I gotta do something for this first part. Um, but yeah, so I couldn't see it until I got back. I was on a... I was gone for 10 days, so I couldn't literally cannot go on the internet for 10 days and read anything <laughs> because I hadn't seen it yet. Okay. That's tough. To yeah. Like, oh my. To really avoid hard. that altogether. Oh Dude, with a lot of these Star Wars movies, spoilers are so all over the place now. Exactly. Like, I remember before The Last Jedi, I didn't go on my phone, I think, for like three weeks. Well, you go anywhere. You go on Yahoo. You go on Facebook. You go on Instagram. You go Everything on Twitter. Everything is a spoiler. There's, yeah. Everybody's posting some little comment or something like that, and you're like, oh, come on. Like, you know, don't don't ruin it for me. Right. So literally, you can't go on any of your social media, go on the internet, because it's just going to be, you know, spoilers everywhere. Exactly. Yeah, which is terrible. And I should say that's a, a, a good, good, uh, good place to put it in. Okay, if you're listening to this and you have not seen any of the recent Star Wars movies, there are going to be spoilers. We are going to discuss what's happened. So maybe pause and go watch those and come <laughs> back. I I can't stand people who spoil stuff. I'll yes. never, I remember just a quick little side note. I remember I was uh, when Harry Potter the Seventh Book came out. And my sister and I would go at midnight every year to the release of the books, and we'd each get our own copy, and we'd go home and like read them right away. And I'll never forget for Deathly Hollows, we were like, <clears throat> we were there, and we just got our books, and we were so excited. And like, um, somebody's like, immediately when we go out of there, somebody's going to the back of the book to like read it and like trying to yell out and spoil it for people. And I've, I don't think I've ever been so angry in my life. 
um, which is just not fair. There's it's a, not a cool thing to do. There's a special place reserved with Satan for people <laughs> like that, you know? We can only hope, David. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they deserve a seat right next to him if they're doing that. <laughs> okay, so initial, so you finally see it in Southern Oregon, initial reactions to The Force Awakens. Elevator pitch for that. I loved it. You know, it was it was a it was a fun movie, mm-hmm. extremely well done. Yes. You know, when you compare the the only thing, you know, I didn't see the original Star Wars movies in theaters. Of course, you know, I was yeah. Too, I wasn't were, born yet. Yeah. You know, but then I saw the prequels in theaters and then you see The Force Awakens and you're like the quality of The Force Awakens compared to those prequels is just night and day. It's insane. Um to me personally, I didn't the story was kind of like it to me when I thought about all right, this is what Han is like after the Return of the Jedi. This is what Luke is like after Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. This is what Princess Leia is like after Return of the Jedi. And it just didn't. That part of it didn't do it for me because I was like, well, we're just right back to where we were before. Sure, you know, at the beginning of the original trilogy. Yeah. So the story for me didn't do it. The execution of the movie I thought was fantastic, and I really enjoyed that that part of it. And this that you know, even though I didn't like the story, it was still a fun movie to, to go see. Yeah. I completely agree with that commentary. I mean, it is, you know, beat for beat, a new hope, you know, girl meets droid on desert planet, you know, and then extraordinary adventures ensues from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do understand, like we said, you know, what a heavy undertaking for yeah. JJ to do this. And I do understand why he did that, why he made it for beat for beat, like a new hope is because he was basically giving someone like, all right, here's an up, he was giving all of us, here's an updated version of what Star Wars should look like, what could look like. You know, here's a new hope rehashed, but giving us these new characters, this new platform. Now I'm giving this to the world. Here we go. Now yeah. Star Wars is revitalized in a way that's familiar that everybody should be able to yeah. like and understand. And, and I'm sure he had orders from higher ups that, you know, we have to get these new characters sure. into the movie before, you know, for marketing purposes, course, yeah. for toy, for new toys and things like that. So I just wish that personally that they would have done a little bit better job with the original characters at least in the first movie so you mean are you talking about the way they the story arc for kind of like for han for, for han luke. luke i mean luke <clears throat> i hope everybody has seen this movie by now but luke's not in it yeah which i think i was okay with to be honest really? i think i actually thought it was kind of cool i mean I, i'll never forget the the opening line of the crawl where it's like luke skywalker has vanished and i remember seeing that and being like oh my goodness like like they're doing it right. This yeah. is really, really cool because the fact, I, I don't know. Like, you know, if you force, uh, sorry for the pun. If you force Leia and Han and Luke all down our throats, it might be just too much to juggle that with the new true. characters and all that. So I remember kept thinking that like, you know, Luke being the MacGuffin in that story is, it kind of makes sense. But I would have liked <clears throat> to have seen him at least come in in the, and maybe the last act. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. If, if you, if you're going to, if that's going to be the MacGuffin, you know, don't wait until literally the last five seconds of the movie. Sure, yeah. To put this most beloved character from our childhood in. Because, to be honest, was anybody there to see, you know, some, these new characters? No. Everybody was in that theater to see Princess Leia. For sure. Han Solo. For Luke sure. Skywalker and Chewbacca. For sure. And, and the I, droids. You know? I agree with that. And C-3PO and R2-D2. And we didn't get much Chewbacca. No. Chewie's, Chewie's actually... a. A character that I think outside of the solo movie has been handled really poorly. Yeah. And we'll, get, we'll get into that. Um, we didn't get much Luke. No. We didn't get barely got any Luke. Yeah. You no, know? of course. Um, so I think that now when I go back and watch that movie, I think the story frustrates me more. Okay. It know? was very much a passing of the baton. Yeah. And, um, you know, in The Force Awakens, I loved Rey. I was enamored with Rey. I, I like the new characters. Yeah. I love John Boyega. Mm-hmm. I think Finn was awesome in The Force Awakens. 
Um, I just remember having so much fun watching that movie. Yeah. I was like laughing the whole time and, you know, tearing up and it was just so much fun. I was yeah. enthralled with it. He hit the, all the beats, right? He all hit, the beats. Yeah. He hit all that stuff, right? I just, you know, just thought there was a better story plan in place, I guess. Sure. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, totally understand. Okay. Let's move on to Rogue One. So the first anthology movie, um, for the Star Wars expanded universe and, uh, gosh, Gareth Edwards, I think was he the director. Was, he started it. And then I think Tony Gilroy ended up finishing it Really? because I remember they weren't happy with something Edwards was doing in either the ed- post editing process or post production process. Sorry, but he filmed everything, but he filmed, he filmed almost directed everything. It. Okay. And Tony Gilroy had to come back in then at the end and do film, a final edit, do a final edit. And f- he filmed a few scenes as well to really? add in there. Yeah. I don't know which ones they were. But I know that he came in and filmed a few scenes. Okay. Um, but Gareth Edwards, I'd say, probably did ninety percent of the movie. Okay. I didn't. I did not realize that. I knew that was the case with Solo, but not Rogue One. But um, but yeah, Rogue One. Uh, I think it was written by Gary Whitta, if I remember correctly. But um, initial reaction. So it's funny that you saw <laughs> Force Awakens after uh, you know right after you got married, mm-hmm. and so Rogue One actually premiered. So I got married on a Saturday, the Thursday before my wedding. Um, you and Sarah were supposed to come we to the movie with us. Yeah. I remember I bought like I bought like forty tickets. Yeah. I almost bought the you know the, the entire, entire theater. theater. Um, Elliot Fall was there, you know, with us at the wedding. You know, Josh, Jared, the whole crew were there, and we all went to see it. Uh, was Sites there? No, Sites wasn't there. No, he wasn't there. Yeah, we all went to see it the Thursday night before the wedding, and I had. I'll, I'll be honest. Okay, so I had just met like my wife's entire extended family from Japan, and I was just like, you know, very like on mode the entire day, and uh, was not in a place to watch this movie as excited I was. And so, you know, I like kind of reserved my thoughts. You know, I, I was like, all right, I'm, I can't even digest this right now. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, let's focus on what's important in life, and I'll come back to this after. So Teal and I went and saw it the week after, and um, Rogue One incredible yes for me it's the best of the um the new star wars movies it's I the best agree of the 100 with you on that it's phenomenal yes um i don't think it's a perfect movie in any regard i think there's mistakes that were made mm-hmm. i think uh um you know just off the top of my head darth vader shouldn't have come in until the last scene we yeah. shouldn't have seen him at all until then i didn't love the um gosh what's it called the reanimation they did with tarkin yeah and uh i think princess leia was fine because it was just you know one small scene mm-hmm. but i remember they you know when they go into because tarkin obviously had to be a pivotal part of this movie and when they go in for that shot i remember thinking like oh cool they're gonna you know just show the back of his head and whatnot and then yeah. they go you they know show the face yeah, yeah they show the face and he's you know it's fine but of course it kind of for me took me out of the movie a little bit because we knew yeah, that, of course. that wasn't him. I yeah. mean, maybe some of the younger audience was like, oh, we don't know who that is. Of course. And, but we knew. Yes. And I don't think that, you know, facial reanimation technology that, thank was you, yeah. where it should be yet at that point. Sure. You know, yeah. you look back, maybe now it is. Yeah. But at that point, you know, you could you could tell a little bit. Totally. It took me out of the movie. Yeah. Um, but what a phenomenal film. And I think the what I was most impressed with was that the tone of the movie felt like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It felt gritty. It felt the tone felt right. But then also it built on what was already there. Not only in the way that like you know it leads up right to the beginning of the new of a new hope, which is so cool. Yes. But also it kind of changes the way you see the rebellion. You know, because, you know, before it was so black and white with the good guys are good guys and the bad guys are bad Mm -hmm. guys. But you see the good guys are having to do bad things in order to keep up with this suffocating empire and all that. 
<clears throat> but the you know Star Wars has always kind of been a story about family. You yeah, know, the, of course, the Skywalker's, Skywalker's of course. Yeah, and in Rogue One, you know, you get oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on what their name is. Um, uh, the girl, yeah, uh, Jane Urso, yeah, and, the Urso um, family, yeah, with her dad, you know, being one of the creators of mm-hmm. uh, the Death Star and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, and then her, she's on the other side of things. Mm-hmm. So it, once again, it was kind of there was another family aspect to that movie. Sure. And uh, so it just had this recurring theme that a lot of the Star Wars movies have had. And I I, li- I really like that part of it just to see, you know, those dynamics. I agree. And kind of a masterstroke for, because, for, you know, you always wonder as a kid, how did they get the Death Star plans, yeah. you know? Where you know all these Bothans died, or that's actually in Jedi. But you know how did mm-hmm. they how did they get these plans to begin with? And what a what a masterstroke to uh, to make it you know this beautiful story of it's really about it like you said a dad and his daughter, mm-hmm. and you know it's it, it's it's very very cool and very well done. And of course that Darth Vader scene in the end is um, is epic. And, and it's a contained story. It is a contained so story. So there's yes. no loose plot end, or, you know anything like that. Mm-hmm. That um, can pop up in other movies. Like it's a very contained story. Sure, other characters obviously pop up in other movies, mm-hmm. but the story itself is very contained. Which yeah. and is a complete story, of course, because all the characters die in the end. Exactly, um, which didn't feel very Disney. I was surprised that Disney let them do they that. Had to though, yeah, like. <laughs> I guess they had to. But it was so cool. And so let's take an example of you know let's let's remember this because, um, like I said, budget for this movie two hundred million. billion at the box office. Mm -hmm. So this movie did very well. Obviously not as well as The Force Awakens, but again, it doesn't have those iconic characters in it, you know. Um, And this is something I think that Disney has been struggling with is how to kind of bridge that gap with the foreign audiences who don't have that... Um, Star Wars isn't in their hearts. They don't yeah, have that nostalgia. They didn't, with, with they didn't grow up with it exactly, and so this is a clear example where you know none of the original characters in this movie, and uh, it still did awesome. Yeah, still did domestically and internationally because it was a good movie and it told a good story. It told a good story, yeah. really cool story. Um, yeah, shout out to Rogue One. Rogue One was awesome. So now we go into the Last Jedi. Mm. Yes. Oh. And uh, again, like we said. You know, we get criticized for a living as well, and I don't want to, I don't want to completely chop down anybody's work. Correct. But for me, this was a big miss in what had been two um, two great steps forward for this new era of Star Wars, the new Disney era of Star Wars. Um, this was a big miss. I was very excited about Ryan Johnson um, helming this movie. Yeah, a big I mean, big fan of his. Looper was awesome. Looper, awesome. Yeah, um, really cool. Thought he had, you know, he's got this really kind of noir kind of style, and um, uh, you know, it was shot beautifully, executed wonderfully, executed yeah. wonderfully. Um, the score, the shots, the scope of it was very cool um but i think overall just uh you know even going beyond you know he's a director of course you know Mm -hmm. he earned this this um to he earned the right to helm the ship you know of course you know i didn't you didn't of course uh the masses didn't and so he can do whatever you know with the story whatever he wants and so yeah take it so and i thought there were some very interesting choices in the story um you know choices that i wouldn't personally have made Mm -hmm. um if i was the writer on this but my problem there isn't so much um, is my problem isn't so much there. It's just in the overall kind of execution of the entire story. Yeah. It just kind of felt like a little bit of a jumbled mess. Yeah, to be honest, it was trying to be this movie that um, trying to be something more when in fact it should have just kind of made sure that it hit 
the bases before it tried to extend its stealth. The Force Awakens continued those bases, you know, sure. continued those plot points forward. And for me, I don't like it. Kind of just like went in a whole different direction. It was like yeah. hey, we're cutting these plot points off right here, and we're gonna do something else with them. Yeah, exactly. And that's I know it's you know it's the second in the trilogy. But again, this is kind of where I have t- trouble coming to grips with it. You know, Empire was Empire was left on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. You know, Han's gone. Like, you know, Luke's missing a hand. Like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. They're looking off into space. Um, very cool. You know, very, very dramatic ending and anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, leaving you on a cliffhanger. This movie kind of like, with the end of it, I'm just like, okay. You know, it felt like Jedi and Empire mashed into one where I have no idea where this is going. And to be honest, like... It left me very disengaged where I don't really care about these characters in the next step. Exactly. I agree. You know, like, all right, cool. Like, Ray all of a sudden is this really powerful Jedi. How? Why? Yeah. She's you kind know? of a Mary Sue, for sure. And then Kylo Ren, like, all right, so where is he falling at now? I don't, like, is he a Sith Lord? Is he an Emperor? Like, it's just... To me, it's just all over, the, kind of all over the place, story-wise. You know, sure. and this is what gave me hope when Disney originally bought this IP, mm-hmm. you know, seeing what they did with Marvel and this whole, you know, building this universe, yeah. this cinematic universe that they had. And such, I was like, yeah. you know what? They're going to have this overarching story planned out for star Wars with all these characters. Like everything's going to make sense from beginning to end. Sure. And we're only halfway through and it's like, feels like it's derailed. Yeah. It feels I'm like, like I have yeah, no idea what's going on here. I, I could care less about what actually is happening in this story. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I was I was really disappointed in right, that, man. Then that's the most most surprising thing to me because, like we said, we really all of a sudden cared about these new characters mm-hmm. and, of course, the old characters and in the Force Awakens, where they were going, where they were going, yeah. and then this goes in such a weird direction. And I think, uh, more specifically, doesn't handle the characters in a delicate, caring manner, caring manner, and it just makes you kind of just I, I, very jaded on yeah, the whole thing. It does. Uh, the Last Jedi jaded me tremendously. Um, of course it is a trilogy. JJ is coming back for the third one. And, uh, you know, I mean, what do we know? Maybe they do have this overarching story in mind and maybe it'll all fit together, but, um, I sure hope so. I sure hope so too. I mean, obviously I'll, we'll be there opening night and all that stuff. I probably will be, um, but, (laughs) uh, here, have my money. Yes. No, of course. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was, it was very regrettable. Mm -hmm. It was very, it was, it was a low point for sure. And like, like we said, I don't want to knock it down too much because there were some, Incredible moments. Yeah. Some really, really cool moments, some beautiful cinematography, but for the most part, just kind of felt like uh, a little bit of a mess. Yeah. So, moving beyond that, we have Solo. And I've been talking to (laughs) the listeners, or I've been explaining to them that you're going to come on for a while and we're going to do our Solo review, which, uh, which of course, we can do now, but got delayed a little bit because of your injury. And um, so Solo, $275 million, uh budget, $390 million at the box office, domestic and international. So a flop from the Disney standards yeah. in that regard. It's crazy to think that $390 million is a flop. Right? That's insane. Like, amazing. Like, wow. Is that where we are in society now? You know, with, or, or is, that, is that what our expectations are for these movies? Sure. It's a different world. It really of course. is. Different world. But... Um, so you saw Solo. We saw yes. it separately. We didn't get to see it together. And um, overall reactions for Solo? Um, it was a fun, once again, a fun movie. Fun movie. I enjoyed watching it. 
it was once again a very well executed movie sure but didn't care much for the story yeah you know like just what the part that part of Han Solo's life I was kind of like they just kind of flew through the story I thought it was gonna be much more dramatic and stuff when he first meets Chewbacca mm-hmm. all right it really like he just meets him and they continue on yeah um and kind of why he becomes the way he does as well and I don't know, for me it just you know I could have done without seeing that movie you know, I really I th- could have. Yeah, I think that's uh, the point I come back to too. I I had fun watching Han Solo mm-hmm. or watching Solo, excuse me, Solo, a Star Wars story, and um, obviously there's all this controversy surrounding it. You know, the two directors who did the Lego Movie get fired midway through shooting, and they bring on it was Ron like at Howard the end. like at the end, yeah, um, and they bring on Ron Howard to basically reshoot eighty percent of the movie, mm-hmm. which is probably why the budget is. Um, is what it was. I actually heard somebody told me that this is the biggest film budget of all time. Really? This is the most expensive movie of all time. Wow. I don't know if that's correct, but so I did I did see that somewhere. And, um, you know, so I, I had no idea what to expect. And people were crushing it. People crushed this movie. I, think, I know. And, I, and it wasn't a bad movie. No, I don't agree with that. I had fun watching Solo. Yeah. But it's a movie that I probably could have waited for it to come out on DVD to watch it. Yeah. And like you said, I probably could have done without. I yeah. don't I don't think this... Um, the, re- the reason that Rogue One was so cool is because it's so nuanced and it's so small but vital in the Star Wars universe. Exactly. Um, you know, from that regard, it's, it is it is a story worth told. The sta- the Han Solo origin story, you know, I think it's it's interesting to me thinking about him and Chewbacca meeting and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I just don't necessarily, necessarily know if I needed this story told because, of course, like, this is also very delicate. Han is a character that's at 100 out of 100. Yeah. You know, the only place you can go is lateral or down. Exactly. And, um, I mean, what a tall order to this kid, the Aldred Ein... I, I, yeah, I don't know how to say his last yeah, name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to be honest, I thought he did a good job he portraying a, Han He Solo. did a great job. Like... That was such a tall task, and for me, I thought you know he kind of lived up to that swashbuckling, I agree, yeah, type of character. Um, so for me, I don't think any part of the failure of that movie is on him. Mm-hmm. No, um, no, no, I, I don't just, think so. He, he got a ton of heat for that too, but he was yeah. great. He was great. You know, I enjoyed him. He was fun, and and uh, I just think a lot of it was just on that on the story that they told. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, oh well, what's your last name? And he's like, I don't have one. And they're like, oh, we're gonna give you solo like come on like <laughs> felt yeah felt a little forced yeah felt, felt that twice now and speaking of feeling forced um probably the worst part of the movie oh. was the you know exactly where i'm yes. going was the darth maul reveal yes. in the end where he comes on and tells what's her name kira yes and uh then he draws exactly um and then he like Khaleesi, and he draws his lightsaber mm-hmm. and he's in a hologram like come on that was that was a little bit that was a stretch that was too much uh, that's not even cool fan service. That's just uh... I agree, and I've I actually <laughs> talked to you about this. You know, we we don't know um, the background of Snoke yet. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever know. Yeah. I hope so. But personally, I thought it would have been really cool. Like if that was him, that would have if the reveal was Snoke. You know, whatever forty fifty years before he's at in uh, Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. You sure. know, before he gets his. Before the face is messed up and all that, like yeah. we see this Snoke as 
whatever he was doing at that time. I agree. It would have been cool even if we didn't recognize him. That's very, yeah. You know, even if you look like Joe Schmo and someday, you know, then they tell the story of how he becomes Snoke. Exactly. You know, that seems like just like a more nuanced way um, of tying it all together. Like you said, you know, make a comparison to the Marvel Universe. Yeah. That felt like it being Darth Maul felt like something you'd see at the end of Ant-Man 6 after the credits. Like, yeah, like they brought this guy <clears throat> back to life. And I, agree, I know that he comes back to life in the cartoons. Yeah, and then Obi-Wan um, kills him again or something. But to bring him back to life in an actual movie now, I'm just kind of like, oh. yeah, that was a, that was a miss for me yeah. for sure. But I did love, I loved uh, Han Solo, I loved Lando Calrissian, and I think oh. uh, I'm Donald Glover, yeah, phenomenal, awesome. And he was the best part of the movie, best, for me. Yeah, yeah, so much fun. Um, and like, it's a tough thing to do to ask them to play those two iconic characters when they're younger because they're playing a character. Like, how you can't expand on that character really. Not only are they playing a character, they're playing a person as well. Exactly. Like, he had to be, was it Billy, Billy D. Williams? Williams. They're basically doing an, an impression. And exactly. And the uh, other guy had to be Harrison Ford. Like, now they're doing double duty because they're be portraying the person and the character. Yeah. Which can't be easy. Not easy at all. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I like this movie. I think Woody Harrelson can't miss. He's yeah. good in everything I see him in. He's a phenomenal actor. The story was, you know, it was, okay, it was a heist movie. It wasn't the greatest heist movie. The, like, the... Double crossings at the end got a little bit tiresome for me. Right. Um, or, you know, it I'm goes beyond. Cross, you're double cross. Yeah, like. <laughs> exactly. But I I did like seeing, to be honest, like Han portrayed in a light, like a warmer light where everyone kept, I thought that was just good for, appropriate for his uh, character arc. Everyone kept telling him like, you're the good guy. You're the good guy. And he's trying to be this bad guy. But, you know, and that's kind of how it is in Star Wars too, in, in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. You know, he has this kind of like, tough guy persona and you know he just he's just hungry hungry and all about that but then he ends up doing the right thing and that's kind of essential to han's character and so it was kind of cool seeing it in that regard as well and um yeah i don't i don't understand all the hate for it i think it's just circumstantial a lot of it to be honest um it was a fine movie maybe a movie i didn't need to see but it was a fun movie i had fun um okay so now i want to talk about where we go from here but actually we should backtrack a little bit because i did miss something um so when we were talking about The Last Jedi and we were talking about how, you know, we didn't like the movie, but we don't want to chop down people's work. It's one thing I want to say. Um, it's one thing to critique a movie, right, and to have an opinion, and that's fine. And I think uh, it's important to draw this comparison. It's another thing to to go beyond that, to go way beyond that, yes. and to harass individuals who made this movie, who starred in this movie, and uh, were just doing their job. So it's worth bringing up, like, Kelly Marie Tran. She played Rose in The Last Jedi. Uh, Not my favorite character. Nope. Of course not. I know nothing about her as a person. Yep. Um, And I, you know, so of course, maybe I didn't like her character. Maybe I didn't like the direction of the movie. But in no way do we ever condone, or is it okay to harass this person, um, you know, for racist and sexist comments and stuff like that. It's really, really regrettable oh, that people I mean, do this. She had no control over the things her character did. She's doing she, her job. All she did was do what somebody else wrote for her. Yeah, you exactly. Know? <laughs> if you're going to harass somebody, harass the writers. But I'm saying, don't do that. Yeah, don't yeah, harass, don't anyone, harass but, anybody. But you, you don't you don't come after these people because of a role they played. Like, you know, I saw Silence of the Lambs when I was a kid, but does that mean I was afraid of, you know... Anthony Hopkins? No, not at all. Like he was still Anthony Hopkins, you know, outside of the movie. Not, he is kind of a scary dude. He's though. not Hannibal Lecter in real life. <laughs> no, you for know? sure. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and the fact that these people 
harassed her so much that she got off social media. Yeah, it's I mean, sad. Come on, people, grow up. Yeah, it's sad. I agree with you, Davey. Um, that's a good word, a good phrase for it. And when doing research about that, I actually found this out. So, you know, I'll ask you, what's everybody's, uh, what's the most hated character in the Star Wars universe? Most like oh Jar Jar Binks Jar Jar Binks yeah. of course okay so the guy who played Jar Jar Binks the voice actor and the stand-in when they were filming him his name is Ahmed Best okay and so after the prequels came out after Phantom Menace came out and he got all this backlash this is horrible he uh, went through a period in his life he talked about this later where he was very much contemplating suicide because of all the hate that he received from this character. Really? Yes. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. That's absolutely horrible. It's, it's, it's not okay in any regard. And, um, and so, again, I just think I thought it was important to, to at least talk about this and just say, you know, obviously we all love Star Wars. And yeah. obviously Star Wars holds a special place in our heart. And we all feel like we have ownership of this property. And, but, man, it's just a movie. You exactly. know, like <clears throat> At the end of the day, that's all it is. You, you have zero right to harass somebody for any reason whatsoever it doesn't matter how much you feel connected to this universe or anything like yeah you know i of course i wish the last jedi was a different movie but i would never you know if i ever met ryan johnson i would be nothing but grateful right we'd have a honest discussion and i would tell him how much i'm a fan of his you know his his films you know looper's incredible brick's incredible all that anyways okay moving on so where do we go from here so Disney has this miss with Solo mm-hmm. in terms of the budget box office. And so now I was trying to do some research to figure out what they're doing because, of course, they had the Boba Fett movie in early production and uh, early stages. Obi-Wan movie Obi-Wan as well. movie as well. And um, they're kind of on hold for both of those. Okay. And um, we're not really sure what their next move is anthology-wise, expanded universe-wise. Um, outside of episode nine, which JJ actually just started filming a few days ago. Oh, I think it's uh, exciting. Yeah, Monday was the first day of filming. It's really <laughs> exciting. Um, so, episode, let's just talk about episode nine. What okay. would you, you know, we finish eight and um, uh, Daisy and the whole crew, the entire resistance, there's like 25 of them, are on the Millennium Falcon, which I think is cool. They're kind of escaping on the Falcon and yeah. going somewhere to um to kind of rebuild so mm-hmm. what would you what direction would you go with this in this movie well first of all i would like to see kylo ren grow up and actually <laughs> become a menacing bad guy for me personally he hasn't been kind of this menacing like yeah he might be a powerful jedi sure but i've always kind of over the first two movies kind of viewed him as a petulant child yeah he's very much an adolescence um, so first of all i'd like to kind of see him finally fulfill that role sure um, and become this, you know, super Sith Lord, exactly, Emperor character, evil person. Yeah. And obviously, I would like to kind of see what they do with Princess Leia. Then, you the, know, yeah. uh, it's unfortunate what happened to Carrie Fisher, of course. So I kind of am really interested to see where her story goes. And they announced that she's going to be in the movie, not with uh, um, facial reanimation, but with scenes that they shot for the force awakens okay so they're going to use those scenes um in episode nine which should be really interesting and um of course she deserves a proper send-off yeah of course she definitely Uh, does you know she's she's princess harrison ford got his exactly mark hamill's gotten his yeah so now it's her turn although mark hamill is coming back for episode nine that was announced as well okay i'm gonna i'm gonna have to guess as a force ghost I would think so, but again, like you never know. Obviously, he does, you know, die at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, as he becomes one with the Force and and all that. 
but you know you could do anything with that i'm sure two lines of dialogue could get around that so we'll see what happens yeah but i I would like to kind of see this whole rebellion resistance story wrapped up and a new almost universe started with uh the jedi because you know at the end of the last jedi how ray has the books yeah she has the books in the drawer, I guess, on the Millennium Falcon. Yep. And uh, kind of now she's rebooting this. Maybe she won't call it the Jedi Order. Maybe she'll call it something else, mm-hmm. you know, kind of rebooting it. And that now, you know, this is the end of the third trilogy of the Skywalkers. Yeah. And now it can go after the, these three movies, it can go anywhere. It can go anywhere. I would like to see, I would like to see a closure to this trilogy mm-hmm. with uh, the ability for it to have a opening into new areas new pathways uh new avenues i i agree completely i think uh you know the the empire rebellion the resistance first order kind of has to come to a head and end in this movie that seems like the logical progression and then we need to grow beyond that yeah um although i mean that is what kind of what star wars is about about good versus evil and all that but you know everybody keeps saying and this was a big point of ryan johnson about a lot of his choices in the movie star wars needs to grow and expand and i think that would be the logical way to do that is to have that come to a head would you know of course uh ray is going to fight kylo in the end i'm mm-hmm. sure and that'll probably be be the you know that'll be the turning point for all of that but then we can tell stories you know smaller more nuanced stories um going off in diff- different directions exactly. and concerning different characters characters that we maybe don't um you know have that nostalgia for that that built-in love for um from the originals but will be exciting stories because they're in they're set in the Star Wars universe. So that makes sense. I'm imagining there's going to be some kind of time jump. Um, there, I mean, you think about it. The original trilogy, it was what, like kind of five years, like in the movies? Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a five-year time jump in those movies, you know? From A New Hope to Empire? Yeah. So, because then the, you had all this other stuff happening sure. off screen, like with Luke's development as a yeah. Jedi, with... The Empire, you know, whatever they were doing with mm-hmm. the rebellion growing, mm-hmm. um, so there would have to be some type of because it can't be just those twenty people on the Falcon now yeah, fighting and then the first order. Thing, yeah, and the first order is just chasing after them. Exactly. That, like, that come on, that was like, the last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to see the direction that J.J. Uh, Abrams takes. Takes. I'm really excited. You know, as much as I say I'm jaded. When I start thinking about it, and I try not to focus too much on what could could have been, yeah. or what you know what I would have done differently, and just like go along for the ride. That's true. I mean, we still do live in a world where we're getting new Star Wars movies, right. and that, that's exciting. Like you we would have when we were in college and stuff. We were like, man, I wish there were Star Wars movies. Would have killed years. for that. And yeah. now we're like, I'm never seeing a Star Wars <laughs> movie again. Like, yeah. come on, like we are pretty lucky exactly. to be living in this day and age. We are. What a time to be alive. Exactly. All right. <laughs> so I think that's a good place to close it off. So. Um, um, that is the state of Star Wars and the Big Mouse and all that. Davey, thank you so much for joining me. That was fun. I had always. a great time, man. Thanks for uh, finally getting me on here and talking about Star Wars. Of course. And uh, for all the listeners out there, thank you for turning, tuning in. And of course, like I said earlier, next week's episode will be the return of the RSL Book Club. That's Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. Look for that next week, midweek. And until then, I'm Tony Beltran, and I'll be right back. Everything's fine down here. Situation normal. How are you?